Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. you date me a podcast where me nicole buyer tries to figure out how i'm still single even though we could fly first class to alaska um and midway through the flight you open the emergency door and you push me out and then i just grab on the wing and i say you'll never get rid of me i still love you my guest today is my co-star on grand crew he plays Wyatt. He is so funny. Um, I cannot compliment him enough because watching him make choices is honestly, it feels like not like I'm not even at a job because he makes the funniest choices and he's so funny. It's Justin Cunningham. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Justin, thank you. thank you so much for doing this. Um, I truly mean it. Like, you are so fucking funny. Ah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Getting compliments is hard. I have a hard yeah. time with it, too. But, yeah, there was, uh, was it our last episode or second to last episode where we had to do, we were drinking orange wine and doing the James Brown, like, Ugh! oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you made me laugh so hard. I've ruined so many takes because I'm just laughing at you. <laughs> I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> I can't remember, but it was just like, oh, and then you, it was, I, it was like your whole face, your mannerism. It was just so funny. I, I think because I had been listening to a lot of James Brown at that point for some reason, mm-hmm. and and I had been sort of kind of mimicking that on my own in my own spare time, just walking down the street, just. <laughs> Doing all that. <laughs> I was.
love to walk down the street and see a man do that. I'd be like, oh, he's having the best time. <laughs> I'd probably seem like a crazy person. But yeah. Anyway. You're never crazy. Just yeah. a lot of fun. I have a question. I didn't mm-hmm. know this. You grew up on a, on a commercial farm. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was great specificity. Commercial farm. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I say farm sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but people don't really understand what that is. They like when I say farm, they think, oh, you must have had like chickens and like hogs. Like, no, we grew up on a commercial farm, which is like we had thousands of chickens, like 50 to 100,000 and like thousands of hogs and like hundreds of cows and like a lot of land that we would uh, cut hay and stuff. So I grew up on a commercial, very large. We had the largest commercial farm in Pope County, Arkansas. I and, didn't uh, know that. I <laughs> truly thought it was like, a, I, like you just said, what everybody thinks. So wait, so commercial farming. So like you weren't friends with those chickens. No. Those chickens, they were getting killed and shit. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, like you, you raise them, like you, uh, you grow. We, they were called uh, broiler chickens, which is just chickens that uh, basically you get in like the packages you see in the store, like the chicken breast, the thighs, stuff like that. Just they're not like hens that lay. They're just like um, genetically modified chickens that only do one thing, which is eat, sleep, and get fat. And so then they, so you just, you just get them plump. And then you, uh, for a certain amount of time, I forget how many months it was, and then you ship them out to the slaughterhouse. And, uh, and then they ship you a whole new batch in uh, from the hatchery. Oh. And uh, you'd, we had like two houses. I think there was around 50,000 a house. And uh, you just had to raise them and make sure that they didn't die. And, oh. um, and uh, yeah, just keep as many as you could and, uh, and then ship them out. But, but uh, we, you would commercially you would uh, contract through this is very is very like business lingo but you would contract i've never a, <laughs> heard the ins and outs of this so i'm genuinely curious wait wait you would you would contract through a uh through a corporation say like tyson foods or conagra and they would contract out local farmers the farmers would get a loan from the bank and they would build the the houses to code to what their code was and then they would contract them to raise the to raise the crop and so that's what my father did. He had uh, we had two chicken houses and we had uh, twelve hog houses, and uh, yeah, so we did a lot of that, a lot of that growing up. Just a lot of work, work like you wouldn't believe out in the sun, uh-huh. just doing the wildest, craziest things. Yeah. Okay, are cows fun to be around? That might be a real dumb question, but no. I love a cow. <laughs> no, see, well, the the thing is, like, people ask, like, oh, like you ride horses, and like, like we didn't ride horses for the sake of riding horses for fun. We rode them because we had to, and it was for work. Because mm-hmm. we were, you would normally be taking cows to the sale, because in the cattle industry, I mean, you used to be able to make money in cattle. You would uh, buy some cattle, buy a bull, have them breed, make you some calves. Hopefully you get a bull calf or a young calf, and then you'd go and sell that. And you can sell that for a, for a good amount of money, like seven or $800 per head. And then uh, and then you just keep growing that. That'd be a really good source of supplemental income. But it doesn't work that way now because it just costs too much to uh, to maintain a herd of cattle. But uh, my experience with cattle was always having to take them to the sale. So it was always me and my brothers, either on a four-wheeler or a horse, uh, getting trying to get run over by by a cow and i've mm. been i've been knocked through several fences by by a bull 
and had to jump oh, through no. several. Yeah, I mean that's that's just you know that's just what we had to do. I would be so, so. mad if a cow knocked me over. I'd be like, "Are you kidding? <laughs> like you're just so big and cute. You're gonna knock me over?" <laughs> uh, well, we had we had. I have a lot of stories about getting <laughs> getting run over by by a cow or bull. The way you're describing your childhood, it reminds me of like how Forrest Gump grew up. Even though Forrest Gump didn't grow up on a farm, but like Jenny, have you ever seen Forrest Gump? Yeah. Okay, so like yeah. Jenny seemed to like grow up on like a big farming. Oh, I think they had uh, corn or whatever. Yeah, they had they had to get corn. So, did you have a forest in your life growing up where you'd like run into the fields? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Actually, yeah, we uh, we had a house that my dad bought. Uh, then they built a new house right next to it, and right behind that house was like uh, was a lot of pasture. We had like I think around three or four hundred acres on that one lot. I don't and we even had know a- what that means. Three <laughs> or four hundred acres. It's 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 a it's a good piece of land, and. Um, we had a creek that ran a natural water source that ran right through the land, which was great to, to have cattle and stuff. So we had a creek that ran through and a lot of forest back there. And uh, when we have to catch cows, sometimes the cows knew you were trying to catch them. So they would go into the woods oh, no. and they would send me or my brother on foot and run through the woods like 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 last of the Mohicans with Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> is like running through the woods. That's what I was doing <laughs> when I was growing up. Did you ever use the farm to like impress the ladies to be like, hey, you want to come to a farm, chase no. some cows? No, no? okay, no, the, <laughs> no. The the every time, you, so we would we would go and like we would have to do what we call we'd have to take out dead hogs or take out dead chickens, mm-hmm. and uh, we would have to go through uh, the each house and look for the corpses of of these animals Ugh. and pick them up and put them in a five gallon bucket, throw them in the back of a truck, either incinerate them or use them as fertilizer. And we do that ah. every day. And so you so go to not school. Sexy. No, and you and your hands would smell like hog shit and uh you you you'd smell like hog shit or chicken shit. And so uh yeah, it was it wasn't sexy at all. Wow. I feel like my whole farm thought, my whole farm experience, um, I thought it was one way and it's definitely not that way. I thought it was like glamorous. You just like wake up and you're like, hello, chickens, who laid an egg? Hello, cows, moo, let's go for a walk. I <laughs> no, it's it's quite gory and uh, and expensive. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> it. Oh, wow, it truly sounds wild. Um, so wait, when did you leave? So you stayed in Arkansas and you went to... You went to like college in Arkansas, right? The University yeah. of Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I went to the University of Arkansas. I left there in like 2005, uh, a place called Atkins, Arkansas, where I mm-hmm. grew up, and then I went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, Northwest Arkansas. I went to school there for a number of years, and then graduated. Then went to New York to study uh, in New York at grad school, and then yeah, so yeah. So wait, was grad school Juilliard? Yeah, yeah. Grad school was Juilliard. I love that you went to Juilliard. Did I ever tell you I auditioned to go to Juilliard? I think so. (laughs) My monologues went pretty good, if I do say so myself. And then they said, ma'am, can you sing? And boy, oh boy, I watched all those smiles turn right upside down. And then I didn't get in. Um, What was your audition like? What monologues did you do? And what song did you sing, if you can remember? Oh, oh, I think, um, if I can remember, I did... 
a monologue, of course, from a raisin in the sun. Of course, uh, we love like, Lorraine. It, it was like the it was the eggs monologue. He's like, well, oh, oh, my okay. eggs, my egg, damn my uh-huh. eggs. And uh, I did uh, something from uh, Antony and Cleopatra. Okay. Um, and then I sang a song from the Scottsboro Boys, which was a musical that was on Broadway uh, a while back with Coleman Domingo. And, oh, okay. Uh, uh, anyway, so yeah, I sang that song. I don't think my I don't think my Shakespeare went over very well, but my song did because it was a cappella, and then they mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, he can sing." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit." So it was very it was very uh, black narrative driven audition. Yeah, I like that. I did. Um... Fat Pig by Neil Labute, which is a beautiful play and so fucked up at the end. Hmm. But all of Neil Labute's shit is just twisted. Um, and then I did Twelfth Night because I really love Twelfth Night. I think the story is just like, it's just so fun. Yeah. Um, and then my song was There Are Worse Things I Could Do. And they were like, no, this is the worst thing you can do <laughs> is sing for us. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> It shouldn't really matter though, like if you if you can quote unquote sing or not. Like it's just if you have the confidence to not feel like you uh, hate yourself when you sing. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I think it's just like just in case you have to sing in something, we want you to be able to carry a tune. We can't turn you loose into the world, uh, bad at something. Oh, you have to sing no matter what. There's a whole in the third year. There's a whole thing called cabaret where you get up and you sing songs. Like it's oh, really? the whole, it's the whole evening is just the whole class is singing different different show tunes. Yeah. Oh. I don't, who who knows if they do it now? Who know who knows if they still do it now? No, I know that school has changed a lot since I've left. So but that sounds like fun to just like have cabaret time with your friends and just <laughs> sing a little bit. I think I keep thinking about doing a tour where I just sing poorly and just never acknowledge that I'm singing poorly <laughs> because I genuinely love singing. I'm just so terrible at it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think it takes, it just takes practice. I don't, I don't think I knew I could sing until I was in uh, undergrad. And like, I think a, a music teacher just kind of locked me and this this other lady in because we had like a solo in a, in a musical. And she was like, mm-hmm. okay, you guys are going to sing. Here's how we do it. And she just let us go. And I was like, oh, I actually can. I think I can sing. And um, yeah, it just takes practice, I think. I've never had that experience. Although I do have a singing teacher now. Her name is Anne. I love her very much. She sages me to get all of my like, (laughs) all my bad thoughts out of me so I can just, it's the only thing that embarrasses me. That and pulling too far in an intersection when the light turns red, because then I'm like, everybody knows I'm a bad driver. (laughs) (laughs) When did you, when did you discover that like acting and performing was something that you wanted to do? It was kind of, uh, I feel, sorry, because uh, that's, that's a complicated question. <laughs> it's a complicated question because it's, it's, it's multi, multi-answered sort of question. Um, so there was a time when I was graduating high school where I was unsure of what my path would be. I was getting a lot of, I was getting very anxious about uh, going to college because my brothers or my brother wanted me to go to uh, the University of Arkansas with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second older brother was in the Marines. He was overseas fighting and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew that I kind of wanted to kind of be an actor or I wanted to like do comedy because I was good at making people laugh. I was in mm-hmm. a really, I grew up in a really, really 
I know, I know these people will, will deny it, but I, I grew up in a really racist town. And mm-hmm. and we were on one of the only black families there and uh, one of the only black farming families in that in that region. And uh, a lot of things that I had to do growing up had to be to coddle people a little bit in order to make them feel comfortable. So I had to learn how to make people laugh, make people like me. And mm-hmm. um, and so I cultivated that a little bit while growing up. And I knew that I had a had a skill for that. So I was um, one day I was um, I had to go check the chickens because you have to check the chickens every night mm-hmm. before you go to sleep because something may happen. A water line may burst. Uh, a fan may cut off. They may smother to death. So you have to make sure that they're that the crop is doing good. So I would go mm-hmm. check these chickens by myself. My parents were separated at the time, I think. And so I was I was doing these uh, these chores in like, like 14, 15 I was probably about 17 by the time I was getting ready to graduate. And um, I had an old, an old hand-me-down car. It was a Jaguar XJ6. It didn't, it didn't, it was a nice car, but it didn't work. <laughs> sometimes the brakes worked. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes the brakes worked. The windshield mm-hmm. wipers didn't work. <laughs> the, the battery blew up one time. Um, but I, I went out to check the chickens. It was like midnight. And I laid on my car and I was, and I was about to graduate, I think the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, so just Give me a sign. Give me a sign what I what I should be doing for my life. And uh, so I was asking the heavens. And so then I the next day, my uh, drama teacher, when I was my Spanish teacher, was like uh, the neighboring town is doing like a modeling competition. You should uh, you should enter in and they have a scholarship to a modeling agency where they have acting classes. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I did the little modeling thing, the little runway thing, won, won the thing, went and took the acting classes. And I was like, oh, this is something I kind of feel like is possible. Um, the modeling agency wanted to sign me. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know what this means. And so <laughs> then I, I went to the University of Arkansas, was studying business because I was listening to everybody else. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to follow what that what that was way back when and uh, found my people in theater and uh, I've kind of been on that path ever since but it sort of changed in that one night mm-hmm. where i where i just kind of asked the universe to give me some sort of direction because i didn't know what to do or where to go and it kind of just dropped this little drop in this ocean of possibilities and uh, that's that's what's led me to here yeah so did you change your major in college from business to theater yeah, yeah business to theater because I was I was letting everybody tell me it's like oh you got to have like a fallback plan you ain't gonna make no money you know doing this and doing that and you know everyone was everyone doubted everything even when I chose to go to in in the theater people you know doubted and talked talked down on it and uh, belittled it uh, even when I got into Juilliard they were like oh well hopefully you can get a job uh, after that I'm like you know Oy. but yeah it's it's been a struggle <laughs> with with family but I've learned to disassociate sort of uh, those areas of my life from what my career is, because I can't let that affect me mm-hmm. the, way, the way it has affected me, where, where it's kind of coming through now, nowadays, which a lot of therapy is helping me with. So <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's black families that do that, that like uh, minimize. I feel like it's it's an extreme. Black families mm. either celebrate that you, you know, put a book away. They're like, oh, that's my baby. She put that book away so fast. Yeah. Or it's just like, they don't give a shit. Like I was working for a very long time and Grand Cru is the first project that like most of my family was like, so you do act and yeah. you do do shit and we watch. It's good. <laughs> I was like, 
I've been working for a decade. <laughs> yeah. I've been working so fucking hard and and now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I also talk about that in therapy because it, it feels insane to me. Like my grandmother maybe three years ago was like, are you going to go back to college? And I was like, bitch, no, <laughs> no, I'm doing okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the exact same way with the, with my family, with Grand Crew. Uh, that that it was sort of cousins came out of nowhere. Uh, uh-huh. Like, I'm I'm your cousin. You must not remember me. Like, I don't. I don't remember you. I don't know where you came from, and why are you asking me for money? But uh, <laughs> that's been happening a lot. So wait, you were on Broadway in King Lear. Yeah. What was Broadway like? Because I grew up being a real uh, stage door little rat mm. where I'd go see Broadway shows, wait after, get my playbill signed or whatever. Broadway's like truly like one of the biggest dreams that I don't know when I'll achieve it because it is so intense. It's eight shows a week. Yeah. It's in front of people. Every show is different. <laughs> you have to be so present every fucking day. Um, and I just, I, it's just this undertaking that like really excites me. But I'm also like not a type, you know, I got to get a little bit older before, you know, I could be mama and raising in the sun. <laughs> I'm not the ingenue or whatever. Um, but what was it like performing on Broadway? It, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I, I so I did that show. It was uh, Sam Gold directed it. Um, it was uh, uh, Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson mm-hmm. was playing Lear. Uh, Ruth Wilson was playing Cordelia and and the Fool. Uh, if you know Ruth, Ruth Wilson, she was in uh, I think that the, Showtime show, the... Uh, the the affair, and then yes, uh, she's and then, great. Uh, yeah, and uh, with that show with Idris Elba, uh, Luther, uh, I love oh, her. Oh yes, 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 yes. But um, and then uh, Pedro Pascal was um, was in it as well, and a bunch of other amazing actors, John Douglas Thompson. It was unique because it was like my first experience, like. Being in a show with, um, or a broad, or like not broad, but a, but a theater show with um, sort of like these kind of celebrities and seeing what they mm-hmm. have to deal with um, just outside of the show, it was it was a unique experience. It's it's hard to describe it because it wasn't the best experience mm-hmm. uh, doing the work. You know, you work with uh, actors who are used to doing things a certain way. And uh, they bring a lot of that that sort of energy into the room that's not really conducive to the best working environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there was a, a hint of that that was hard to uh, adjust to because when you're on a show that is dealing with a lot of money, a lot of money's being put into it, a lot of money's being earned on it. Um, smaller characters like my character and and things like that kind of get put to the wayside, and you kind of get. Uh, swept up in this shuffle of like we're just churning out this this show we're just getting people butts in the seat and this guy's good he's he people know this director so we're gonna throw another show up and and like i don't know it's it's a unique experience but being on that stage because it was at the um it was at the court theater which Mm -hmm. is which is a cool a really cool theater um um but being on that stage and uh, performing was, you know, it's kind of a dream come true. Uh, I, I never imagined myself being in that position to like be on Broadway and have lines mm-hmm. and do fight choreography and, and actually sing as well uh, on stage. And and um, yeah, it was it was a unique experience, uh, both uh, artistically, but uh, 
technically in the business side of it was kind of like uh, jarring but just mm-hmm. to just to see some of the behavior and uh, the sort of the the uh, professional language that people were sharing with each other mm-hmm. in terms of how they interact in this in that in that arena. Yeah, I don't know if that explained it without going too much into detail. I think it explains it when because I've worked with uh, people who are a little further along in their career than me who treat people a certain way, and I've been so surprised. Yeah, and like, like I just I have a friendly face, so like people <laughs> generally don't know when I'm like, oh no, like <laughs> or like disapproving or something. But I've been there where I'm like, oh, I guess they get to just speak to people however they want. And then I'm like, oh, I never want to be like that. Or like, I never want to do half the work. There's some actors who get lines fed. There's some actors who use cue cards. And I just don't ever want to not be doing the work. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because when you get to a certain level, like nobody expects anything from you except Mm. for the product. And it doesn't matter how you get to the product. It doesn't matter how you act to people just as long as they have what they need to sell. And that's very fucking weird. Yeah. That, that for me, that's been a really hard pill to swallow. Um, You know, just working in, in that arena and then doing, you know, a few TV things and kind of seeing, how people are are going about it. I'm just like, I just, I just don't, you know, coming from where I come from, where it's always been about the work, where it's mm-hmm. like, if you didn't work, you didn't eat, you know, you didn't really have a place to sleep if you didn't work. It was, it was no option to not do the work. And, um, and just to see, I'm, I'm learning, I think, to let go of certain things of my, of my expectation of, of what everybody else is and how I work, because uh, it may not be the same. Like for the for that experience on Broadway, my experience of working is not the same as someone else's. They mm-hmm. they come from a totally different place or a totally different country. They may do things totally different thing with it, where they think that thing is totally normal. And I'm like that's I'm like that's not. But it but it mm-hmm. might be. And I and I have to have some grace about that. So uh, that's also, I, I guess, the thing I've been learning just from those types of experiences. But yeah, it's a really hard pill to swallow when you when you observe those things. Yeah, and then just mitigating a hundred different personalities, like yeah. you know, from the person who's two lines to the person who's the lead. It's just like, boy, oh boy, you gotta just interact with people, and <laughs> sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Where I'm like, ah! <laughs> yeah. But on Grand Crew, I get so happy because like I love running lines because. I have learned of something, I think our scripts are really well written, so I think they're easier to memorize than other things I've done, but I I just have like, I switch words sometimes, and I have mm-hmm. a hard time memorizing lines on my own, and I love running lines, and everyone is always down to run them, and it... <laughs> It makes me so happy because sometimes I'll go to other sets and I'll be like, hey, guys, do you want to like just like run some lines? And they're like, no. And I'm like, hey, OK, <laughs> let me find a PA, butter them up and maybe they'll run lines with me. Yeah. No, no. I, th- I think it's because like we're we're all, you know, this is an opportunity. I think that we all really appreciate when it comes down to it. It's like we don't we don't really take it for, for granted. And we all want to do the best job that, that goes with everybody that's involved with the project we all want to do our best work and so we're all there to support each other which is what is so great about this show you know i i feel like i have not been on the show for a while that has felt like that that people are there just to support each other and like Mm -hmm. we're not we're not trying to show up and show out and you know and you know 
be measuring, you know, our egos. It's just we, we're here to show up. Yeah, that's another thing I love. We let each other be funny. Like if someone has super funny lines in the scene, nobody's trying to like undercut them or be like, I'm the funniest one. We kind of just like let everybody have their turns. And I've been on sets where, oh boy, <laughs> there's going to be one person who's got to be the funniest. And they'll maybe take something that you improvised for themselves. Anywho, it's, mm. you know, it's acting in Hollywood is truly just very interesting in general. And the longer I'm in it, the longer I'm like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? What are we all doing? Yeah, yeah. I've been I've been in that boat the last maybe a year or so thinking about my life choices. Mhm. Oh lord. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, do I just want to move to like Nebraska and like open a bead store? <laughs> yeah. I've been like look I've been driving through New Mexico coming here. I'm like, I could live in Albuquerque. This yeah. place looks kind of cool or or Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah. I could I just get I could get a science degree and just settle down and have a family and own a house, buy things. Uh-huh. Jesus. I just don't think I'd be happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I fear that. I, I fear that if if I make a career, because I really have been considering it. Uh, my my reps will probably be surprised to hear me saying this. But, um, yeah, I really have been thinking about, you know, changing careers, maybe retiring and oh. and choosing something else because yeah like like when i think about it i've done everything that i've wanted to do in, in my career i've i've gone to a good school i've done off broadway i've done a musical i've recorded an album I've, yeah i've been tv television I haven't shot a film though i actually mm-hmm. have a couple <laughs> but but uh but i've done everything that i wanted to do and and when it comes down to it, you know, the it's it's very taxing. I don't think people realize how how taxing it is to to be in this line of work of the constant, you know, sort of um, things you're having to put yourself through mm-hmm. emotionally and uh, and uh, career wise. Um, it's it can be taxing. And then after a while, it starts to to wear on you, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's wore on me a little bit because I haven't taken a break since i was 18 or 19 i I haven't Mm -hmm. had i've never taken i haven't had a vacation since since probably 15 but i've been working at this thing for the majority of my life and it's like okay maybe they either i need a break or i need to uh retire but um (laughs) either i need a break or i need to retire but uh, (laughs) i was i've been looking at you know grad schools for for science degrees i've been looking Mm -hmm. at and just seeing like what 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 else if i was to leave this what would i possibly do then i would think you know i wouldn't be happy because this this is this is what i was made to do i think Mm -hmm. from that moment on laying on that hood this is what i chose to do and so whether that's a midlife crisis or whatever (laughs) I i will have to figure out a way to get through it so yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll just be the funniest server at a Red Lobster. <laughs> um, and But then I'm just like, I do love what I do. But like, I just put myself on tape for an audition this morning. And then after finding out the process of casting, where it's like, oh, they usually have like three offers out. They'll mm-hmm. do, you know, auditions. And then maybe if those three offers fall through, then they'll look at tapes. Or sometimes they do look at tapes from the beginning, but they have people in mind that they want. Yeah. And it's like, you're up against so much to against so many people to get one part. And like, I did the audition today and I did it to the best of my abilities. I memorized mm-hmm. my lines. I made choices. And then I was like, but this is probably for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of that, ha- like I, I almost feel like 
like getting Grand Crew was like like just luck. Like a lot of times it's just really just sort of strange twist of of uh, the stars of lining and that's how you get something. Um, the other day, like this is also a thing that I was thinking, maybe I should just be a casting director because I've just been auditioning for the wildest stuff in the in mm-hmm. the wildest circumstances that don't take into account the actors. I got an audition the other day that was a that was a next day audition. It was 19 pages. Yep. And it's a self-tape, right? Yeah, it was so a they're self-tape. like, since you're not coming in, you're doing this at home. You've all the time in the world to memorize 19 fucking pages. That's insane. That, that's at that point, hire me. Yeah. That's, I'm doing the job. 19 pages due the very next day. Uh, has to be divided into nine separate because it was 19 pages but nine scenes so it has to be oh. nine separate clips so it's like that's like two and a half hours of editing on top uh-huh. and so I didn't have a reader I had to record my own lines respond no. to my own lines I could I couldn't memorize the lines so I had to, I had used my I bought a teleprompter for this specific thing so I had I had a teleprompter I have my iPad to, to project the, the, the lines I have to record with my phone and it's <sighs> that's a lot and then that, I, like if you don't have a reader if you don't have someone who can just come over in a pinch yeah. i don't think casting directors realize how hard it is to record the other lines leave enough room for the choices you make and god forbid you make a different choice and then you overlap then you have to start over Ooh, i've been there i i take that as an argument if i if i accidentally take too much time and my other line starts i'm like oh but uh, I just, oh, I just use it. Smart. I just use it. I just that's use it. So I will. I can't tell you. There was this one audition that it took me like two, maybe three hours to put myself on tape for like I think it was like ten pages or something because I miscalculated uh, a chunk of time for this like one monologue and then my next lines cut. Oh, it was truly, truly why I hated it. I would say when you're when you're recording the separate lines, read your lines too but with like a slower pace that takes a little bit of time. So that gives ah. you a wider, so that gives you a sort of sense inside your mind mm-hmm. of how long it's going to take. Um, but yeah, I, I did that 19 page thing, sent in nine different scenes. My, both my agent managers were like, how did you get this done? I was like, because that's what we have to do. Yes. Cause if you want the job, you'll fucking do it. And I think that I do think that, uh, casting directors do understand that that that's that they know that that's unacceptable that that's mm-hmm. like a really outrageous thing to ask of an actor is to give 19 pages to be due by the next day in the morning time eastern mm-hmm. you know so i'm already three hours behind and i think they do know they they do know they and that's know. unacceptable it's unacceptable. and i'm sure it was like a conversation with the producer and the producer's like well that's what we want <laughs> like, yeah. okay, like, guess I'll send it out. And that's why you need a casting director that's going to say, no, you need to mm-hmm. make this three to four pages, come back with something. If you don't have it in three to four pages, you don't know what you're doing. Correct. Because so. you know what you want by, like, I had Robert Devonzo was an acting teacher I had. He's like, people make a choice in the first three lines. If yep. you can't memorize the whole thing, just memorize the first three lines because they'll have made their decision as you look down for your fourth line. And I was like, huh. Okay, and every tape I have ever watched of myself to like critique or criticize or like what what other choices am I gonna make within the first three lines? I know if it's a good tape or not. Yeah, and I I think there's something to that. I haven't done a good tape in five or six months. <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt that. Yeah. Real quick, ooh, we gotta take a break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
you know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to get it off your chest with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's, it's better, and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions, and flirt with the locals. Me encanta, muchacho! <laughs> Without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. Boop, 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 we're back. Okay, Justin, we talked a lot about acting and whatnot, but let's talk about boxing. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You've taken up boxing. Well, well, I've been I've been boxing for about 13 to 14 years. Just but... kidding. You've been <laughs> in boxing. <laughs> but but I but I haven't really seriously started training to like the last maybe two and a half years. Um, so, yeah, I've. I box, I think now, basically every day. Uh, I'm gonna go right after this. I I swore I was gonna take a rest day today because I've I've I did five thousand calories yesterday. Damn. So yeah, oh, well, Lord. What do you eat to make up five thousand fucking calories? Uh, I'm kind. I'm not really fasting. I just don't have a large appetite whenever I'm working out this hard. Um, oh. So I just usually have like a breakfast burrito in the morning, and then sometimes I'm good for the rest of the day. Um, I'll have a pre-workout with the protein. I think you can see it up there. Protein, the mm -hmm. creatine, and I have my multivitamins that I take. And then, um, but that that burrito is like a large burrito, so I'll eat like half of it, and then I'll come back home and eat like another half of it. I'm good. So I'll probably eat like maybe twelve hundred calories, and then I'll end up burning at least four thousand at the end of the day. 
But uh, I have enough energy for somehow. I don't know how it's possible, but I have huh. enough energy. But um, but recently, I've so I've been bike boxing at this place called Tiger Boxing. So it's a fantastic uh, boxing gym. It's a little small uh, gym uh, owned by Tiger uh, Inwakolo, who's a mm-hmm. Nigerian Nigerian Olympian boxer back Ooh. in the uh, '80s and '90s. Um, and uh, he's I think he's in his '60s now, and he and he trains people. And uh, I go there uh, nearly every day. And um, I've been wanting to start sparring because they have sparring on Sundays. And I've been kind of trying to work myself up to have enough stamina for three rounds of sparring. I wanted, I need to. How long is three rounds? Like three minutes. So, yeah. So three minutes a round? Yeah. But it's like fighting someone and then oh. getting hit in the face. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, um, but like your stamina has to be so that you can last those three rounds because when you're fighting, or even working mitts with someone, you're you're so uh, intensely focused and your adrenaline's going that you're going to be burning a lot more. You're going to get way way more tired, way way more quickly. Mm-hmm. So I have to learn how to build my stamina up to uh, to get ready for that type of thing, so I don't get uh, injured or hurt. Because uh, yeah, you can get hurt, and, or you know, if, if you're, even if you're going light or like half, you know, fifty percent or thirty percent, you can still get hurt. But I was watching, you know, a few of the boxers there, you know, spar. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I want to I feel like I want to spar because I feel like I feel like I'm in a place in my life mm-hmm. where I'm talking about, you know, maybe a career change, changing things up. But I think it's a lot of that spurns from fear, fear of the unknown. And a lot of my anxiety is stems from that. Just this kind of fear of things going wrong. And mm-hmm. I was like, maybe this is a metaphor uh, for how I should face my life. If I get into that ring and face that fear of getting hit in the face, face that fear of maintaining control of my body and my form while I while I do a thing, maybe that can maybe I can learn a few lessons about myself. Um, a lot of boxers will say, like, when you're getting into the ring, you're not facing the opponent, you're facing yourself. Oh. So it's so it's like, how can I get in that? How can I have the courage to in the in the discipline to train to get in there and uh, face myself in a in a metaphorical way? But also learn. Yeah. I like that. That's real deep. I'm facing <laughs> myself. I don't think I could fight, though. I'm just, like, too pretty to get hit in the face. Mm, I'd be like, ouchies, I gotta go. Bye-bye. Yeah. yeah I, I, I need to do it soon because I can't, we can't, I mean, I can't start shooting if I have a black eye or broken nose. So, and then they'll be really mad at me. So Yeah, they'll be like, Justin, how dare you? We need continuity. I guess Wyatt just has a broken nose this episode. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, well, this is a dating podcast, so I got to mm-hmm. do my due diligence. Are you on any of the apps? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't do apps. I don't do. Really? You've never done them? Uh, I, I have for like a second. Every time I do it for like maybe a week and I'm like, this is I can't. And then I just delete it <laughs> because it's just it's just weird. It's just I just meet so many weird people. And it's uh-huh. just I just I can't. And so I was, I just let all that go. I mean, I wish I could let it go, but <laughs> I'm just swiping away. It's just, okay, I'm going to look at my app real quick. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I, I just can't get traction with people that I've messaged. Like, we'll go back and forth, and then I'll just, like, go away. Or they're just a fucking weirdo. I feel like everybody is weird. Mm-hmm. There was this man... He just opened up with, what city you in? And I said, LA. And he said, cool. 
<laughs> and then nothing else. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, are you just taking a survey of all the people you've matched with just to like figure out <laughs> where they all live? And then he's like two miles from me. So I'm like, obviously we live <laughs> close. <laughs> what city are you in? Oh, LA. Okay. And that's it. Cool. That's yeah. That's that's the type of I I I think I used to get, do I recognize you? I'm like, hmm. possibly. I've I've done some TV. And they're like, no, it's not you. You shouldn't do that. And then they'll and then <laughs> they will Oh, they think it. you're catfishing? Yeah. Like I'm like, no, that's that's just like my actual photo. I just don't have any good photos. <laughs> so I use the I use these carpet photos. So that's that's all I have. And <laughs> So, so I, I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but when I was living in New York, I was working at this restaurant called Chat and Chew and John Mulaney came in and I was like, Ooh, he's cute. And then I sat him at a table and I was like, what do I know you from? And he's like, I don't know. And I said, "Mm, I know you from somewhere just being the most annoying person. And then he was like, I've been on television before. And I was like, that's not it, but here's my number. And I, (laughs) after I saw him on TV, I was like, Oh, Oh, I did just know him from TV, but I don't know why people do that. I don't know why that's human nature to be like, what do I know you from? I don't, nobody fucking knows what you know them from unless you (laughs) can like together be like that party we went to or whatever yeah i Um, I always always feel very uncomfortable (laughs) like talking about any of my any of my career stuff because i'm like i don't know i don't because i think i think one time i was on a subway in new york and i had just done or or it had just released was when they see us Mm -hmm. and people thought that i was like the real kevin richardson and this girl was looking at me on the train and just started weeping just looking at me and just started crying and i was like um that is really awkward. And she was trying to walk up to me and like say something to me. I was like, I'm just the actor. I'm just the actor. <laughs> just the actor. I'm not not actually him. Wow. That is like a wild thing where people <laughs> it's like, it's him. It's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Acting. Yeah. What's like the wildest date you've been on? Have you met any like full blown crazy people? Uh, I'm sure I have, but I, I try to do my best not to, not to judge people, but, but, but I, I have met some people that, oh Lord, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, there was, there was one experience I I was at Juilliard and I, and I was, I was, I took a, uh, an opera singer and I, I think opera singers are notorious for being kind of divas I and love that. Uh, and uh, I took an opera singer out to eat. We were going to go to like a ramen place and the place was really popular. And there, there was like a line. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it's going to be a line. Uh, there's a little waiting list. So I was like, do you, uh, you want me to go uh, write down a name on the waiting list? She was like, can you just go do that? Can you go do that? And I was like, um, <laughs> you know what? There's a taco place right over here. I'm going over here. Let's go over here. And I ate tacos in front of her. I think she had like one. I had like five. I did not mm-hmm. care at that point. I was like, this person is so rude. Um, and then there was a, there was a date. Yeah, I'm trying not to judge, but because I'm trying to, I want to be open and, and as graceful with people as I possibly mm-hmm. can. But then there was one date where, where, you know, I was talking to someone and they were, you know, talking about telepathy and 
and they could Telepathy talk. Telepathy is moving your stuff with, with your mind? Uh, well, like communicating or with reading people. reading thoughts. Oh, okay. Yeah, communicating with people and that they could communicate with aliens and, oh, you, know, no. you know, you know, and, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm open to like hearing what, what, what you're talking about. Maybe it's just some things I just don't understand or know, but in the back of my mind, I'm like going like, oh. Oh Lord, I don't have time for this. But um, but <laughs> that person's a very 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 nice person. But I I don't think it's a match. But um, but yeah, I've that's that's the that's the extent because I've just been such a career oriented person that I mm. haven't really gone on a lot of dates. That has been like really the 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 main focus of my life up until now. Really, I think mm-hmm. I think more I think more now I'm the kind of I'm kind of looking at at ease with uh, clear eyes about what I actually want. Well, what do you actually want? Because I'll tell you something as soon as this comes out. Them DMs will be full. <laughs> no. Well, well, I think um, what I what I value uh, in a person is um, is because, and I say this because I have been realizing in in therapy um, in the last few months that I've actually been in a lot of. Uh, emotionally abusive relationships, a lot of toxic relationships mm-hmm. uh, where I was sort of at the brunt of it and uh, got out of one uh, when I was back in New York earlier this year that was really, really toxic and really, really abusive and uh, didn't really realize it until it was happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, But I think what I value in someone is is understanding and having grace about about people and their flaws. And because I understand that everyone comes with their baggage, they come with their own sort of, uh, you know, traumas that they're carrying. And I want people to be able to see those things and not judge them, but, and not hold them either, not try to take them on, but to be more understanding, have a little more grace about someone else uh, inside a relationship and to just to give a more open understanding and um, welcoming vibe for someone who is who is flawed but who may also be working on themselves and um, yeah I've been in a lot of, lot of relationships where where I've where people that's not reciprocated this sort of mm-hmm. understanding that we can share uh, we can share we can't carry each other's load but we can share what the load is and have an understanding about what that load is and what we're going through and not expect the other to fix it and not expect also to be to just fix it alone but we can actually share this load or or we can we can talk about the load we can mm-hmm. we can just we can just have an understanding with each other and come to that and meet with that consistently that's that's something that i value and that's 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 a vague answer but it becomes a broad i don't think it's vague it sounds like you just are looking for like clear communication empathy and understanding that's super mutual. Yeah. Yeah. You you said it way better than I did. <laughs> I want this because I need this thing that you wrap it around and you put it under because that's that's vague. <laughs> Jackass. Well, I All think right. I'm at the same point where I'm like, I just I love I think I love communication. I think I really just want someone to understand that like I have ADHD. I just say what comes to my brain. And sometimes I haven't completely thought it out. So it's like, I just need you to understand that we're like on a journey to figure out what I actually mean. And it yeah. might not be what I first said or whatever. Um, yeah, I think relationships, they seem hard. The more I think about them, the more I'm like, 
boy, oh boy, like talking about mitigating a bunch of actors' personalities, it's like mitigating two people's personalities seems wild to me. Mm. And then people who have like multiple partners, I'm like, how on earth? How on yeah. earth do you get accustomed to one person's personality wants and needs and then have a whole other person's wants and needs that are different from this other person and different than yours? It just seems very overwhelming. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I feel like I've been in that type of scenario. And for me, that was that was a, uh, an abusive scenario because mm-hmm. it was just that person didn't care. You know, they they didn't they didn't value what I needed or what I what I or where I, where I was, and um, they made it my problem. You know, they gaslit. You know, everything like, oh, well, you you mm-hmm. knew this, you knew this um, going in that I wasn't going to care, and it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. So, so it's my fault you treated me like shit. <laughs> That's an insane thing that people will do to you. It's like, yeah. well, you knew what I was like, and I was like, and it's just like, okay, sure, yeah. maybe I knew what you were like, but also. I don't know. You could just be nicer. Yeah, but but I also would, you know, communicated like I need I think I need this and I think going forward I'll need this. Can you can you do that? And mm-hmm. then they'll say, "Yeah." That way you mm. have a little contract that if you get into an argument, you can be like, "Well, here's the receipt of where mm-hmm. you said this." And that's that's kind of gaslighting for me too, but at the same time it's honest. But but I think from those experiences I've just learned it's like uh, I can't expect people to 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 treat me the way that I want to be treated, especially if I'm not if I don't communicate. It. I can't have people live up to an expectation that's uncommunicated and that's unrealistic. So mm-hmm. I just I just try to lead with a little bit more grace when it comes to relationships, I think. I like that. Leading with grace sounds like a nice thing. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll lead with grace. I don't know. I don't know how to be graceful. I just <laughs> I just know how to be me. Okay, we have to take one more break. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. 
Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving. And I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. Do you think dating is easier or harder in New York versus L.A.? I think it's hard both places. I think it's just about it. It's equally hard both places. Here in L.A., I try to go out on a date. The person just flakes and never shows up. Mm-hmm. That's happened several times. But it's all the time, actually. But um, uh, <laughs> and then in New York, it's just, it's just intense because the mm-hmm. city is intense. And then the intensity of emotions flying back and forth is intense. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just harder. I've had the most success... The most success, like like it's a game. But the, <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had the most success, you know, relationship wise um, in the Midwest, actually, because every, everything's a little bit slower and easier. People are, people are a little bit more, you know, um, open, mm-hmm. uh, in spite of you know what region they may be in. But people, you know, they value things at a higher. At a, at a higher level than we do, we'll say, in New York, because New York is kind of everything. You have to let everything fall off your back. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of same thing in L.A. You have to kind of just keep, keep your head down, keep moving. But in Midwest areas where you're able to actually sit and take in things, people are able to sit and take in you, which is a cool thing. That's that's what I've experienced. It may not, it may not be true. I may be full of crap, but whatever. No, I don't know. I don't. I think your experience is your experience, and I think it's unfair to say, well, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe I'm full of crap. I don't know. I don't think you should discount yourself, but maybe I should move to Montana. Is that the Midwest? <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I think so. What is the Midwest? Yeah, people say Midwest is Arkansas, but I'm like, that's the South, right? That's the South. That's the South. But um, I get. I suppose that's Midwest. Is Oklahoma the Midwest? Yeah, but you don't want to. You don't want no. You don't want nothing Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, Oklahoma. Uh, you don't want nothing from Oklahoma. <laughs> um, Justin, do you have any advice for me in terms of how I should approach gentlemen? Um, how you should approach? How yeah, you, like how, how do you sh- like being hit on? Oh, how do I like being hit on? Uh. I don't like being hit on. Mm, okay, uh, duly I, noted. I, uh, don't say I, anything I, to me. I think. I think that. Well, no. It's. It's no. It's not. It's not trying to like. I think the notion of trying to be something for someone is where people get in trouble, because you're not fully 
just being yourself. I think people will see you. I know you've probably heard this so many times and it's probably very cliche to say, but it's like, just be yourself. No, it's not. It's not just be yourself, <laughs> but it's like, be okay with yourself. Ooh. Be okay. Be okay to, to not have to pursue someone. Be okay. Um, just if you can sit in a, in a bar and, and be okay, completely content by yourself then you're good. People are, somebody's going to notice that and people will, will be attracted to that. Not that you're there alone by yourself. Well, that's a whole nother thing when mm-hmm. it comes to women, women in general being alone by themselves. But I'm saying metaphorically or emotionally, if you can understand what makes you happy, what you need for yourself, um, it may not be a partner. It may not be anybody else. And maybe it just means that you need to take some time alone. You need to experience um, different uh different uh, scenarios on by yourself, have your own life experiences. Maybe you need to step away, but you'll, you'll start to learn who it is that you are and what it is that you actually need. And those things will, will be attracted to you. They will start coming to you. So I would say for me, like, I don't like being hit on because that means that's that person trying to, trying to get something from me that I don't think they fully understand because they don't know Ah. me. They don't know me. So, if if someone is interested in me, then we can have a conversation. We can talk. We can get to know each other. But how do you do that? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess you can like hit on people, but you like this this whole game aspect of having game. I, I don't I don't really prescribe to because I've never had game. Um, <laughs> I've never tried to have game, but um, I've always tried to be myself. And and if someone didn't accept me and what uh, and what I cared about, what I thought, then that person is not for me. There's also another thing I probably shouldn't share, but I will because I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm grown. <laughs> I'm, I don't care. So in my 30s, um, we only got a little bit of time, but in my 30s, I've started to experience uh, erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But, but only in certain cases because like, it works just fine. But what has happened now is if is if I am not interested in this person, mm-hmm. it won't work. It just doesn't work. Because that's my body telling me this is something that's not good for you. And you feel it and you know it. So it's not good for you. And when it feels when it does feel good, like this person is 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 is, is interesting, that I, I vibe with this person, everything feels great, everything feels normal. But when it's not good. Like you just kind of listen to yourself and like mm-hmm. I'm able to listen to myself and like know these things. But yeah, yeah, men go through it. We we all experience it, yeah, especially around I mean, this I age. I think we should destigmatize it. Yeah. Also, I think you might be onto something that maybe it's not erectile dysfunction. Maybe it's truly just your body saying you don't need this person. Yeah. So we're not here for it. And then yeah. men are like, but I wanna fuck. So then we create, you know, pills and shit no. to like combat it. And it's like, no, maybe you just live in it. And that person's mm-hmm. not for you. Right. Like that's, and I, I think I realized that like, like the second time it happened, I was like, my body really just does not want this person. And it's like, I think I need to listen to that. And like, I have listened to that. And yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like my, my, my penis is, is like a gentleman in a smoking jacket. 
And the pipe, like, we don't, you don't want to do that today, sir. It's very bougie. I don't want yeah. that. I don't no, want that. get me away from me. So, but, but, but that's, but that's, it's more mental too. Because mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, I was like, maybe something wrong. I was like, well, I'll go to the doctor. Maybe I should take some ginseng. And then, mm-hmm. but it was like, no, it was like my anxiety about the, about this person. My, my consciousness is telling me something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't need to pursue that because it's not good for me. And then when, when I do pursue it, it's not, it, it turns out bad. It's and not I'm like, good. okay, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I should have listened to myself. So, yeah, when it comes up to like, to like hitting on guys, I would say don't and okay. just, and just focus on what it is that you really want. And that may be a deep conversation that you have to have with yourself. You have to start meditating. I started meditating a little bit, which is helpful. But, um, but, Gaining a better understanding of who you are and, and what you need in life may not necessarily be from somebody else. It may be from yourself. Okay. I like that. All right, Justin, we have come to the end. I do have a question that I ask all of my guests. Would you date me? Absolutely. <gasps> Absolutely. Like, you're, you're very funny. You're very fun. Uh, very interesting. You're very uh, intuitive. And... And yeah, that like you bring a lot to the fucking table. So I mean, Justin, thank like it's, you. It's a no-brainer. So yeah, thank you. Well, do you have anything that you want to promote? No, I'm not working on anything new. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not working on anything. Well, I'll say this: Grand Cruise coming back for season two. I have no idea when it's going to air, but we start shooting it next month. I'm so excited about it, Justin. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lovely conversation. And the last part I do think is something that's important for people to hear. And I think I think you may have changed someone's perspective on something that they thought was a problem that actually isn't a problem. That is just your body being intuitive. So I really appreciate right. you sharing that. Right. Um, that being said, if you write a dirty message hating on me and you send it to why won't you date me podcast at gmail.com. Mars, my producer, goes through it. So please don't send her any dick pics. She doesn't want them. They'll never make it to me. But if you write me something hitting on me, I'll read it. This person said, Hi, Nicole. I came back from a trip in Alaska, which is the inspiration for this message. I want to stick my Mount Denali into your wet uh, Kenjai forge. You'll moan so loudly that it'll break off all the remaining glaciers, which will melt into the ocean, raise their levels, and completely submerge and demolish <laughs> demolish all the coastal cities in just minutes. Yes, many people will perish, but at least we'll both feel wanted. It's pretty funny. That's a, yeah, that's, that's, actually, that's actually quite poetic. <laughs> yeah, pretty poetic. People will perish, but at least we'll have attention. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. That's it for Why Won't You Date Me with me, Nicole Byer. Why Won't You Date Me is produced and engineered by, oh, the sweetest woman I know, Marissa Melnick. It is executive produced by other wonderful people, Adam Sachs, Joanna Solotaroff, and Jeff Ross. Thanks for listening. I love you. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you next Friday with a brand new episode. What a treat. What a dream. <laughs> This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. 
We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 and two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and My Lotto Rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly.